Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode in our teaching series, Beaming at the Bema. This is Lesson 9, and we will conclude this series with this lesson. I pray that this series has been a tremendous blessing to you. It has been an awesome privilege for me to study through this and to prepare it because, beloved, that is what we are awaiting. And every choice we make in this life matters for that coming day. So first, before we get into the lesson for today, I just want to read the foundational scripture that Paul writes for us which has been the foundation for this entire series. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we want to understand that this is what awaits every single Christian. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you are called to do in the body of Christ, you will stand before this be my seat, you and I both will. May we have the exact same aim, the exact same goal as Paul has, that we will be well-pleasing to him. Wouldn't it be wonderful to get there and basically get straight A's on our report card, so to speak? Now, I know that all of us are fallen and we will have regrets. We've discussed that in other lessons. But at least what we can do is from this point forward, we can try to be well-pleasing to him with every choice, with every day, with every moment that God gives us. I pray that that's your aim as well as mine. So today in concluding this, we've looked, we've looked at the various ways that these Deeds will be evaluated on that day. We have looked at who will be doing the evaluation. We've talked about the books that will be there and the things that will happen. We've looked at the gold, silver, precious stone versus wood, hay, and stubble. We've looked at the fire of testing. We have talked about many, many things through this series. We've even seen our responses in that we would have some regrets I'm sure when the wood, hay, and stubble burns up that every one of us, I'm sure, will probably face some of, we will have regrets because we know that there are things that we regret, missed opportunities, bad choices, wrong motives, etc. So we realize that that will come, but we also realize that Jesus promised one of the things in that beautiful place is that he will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away all of those tears of regret. And now, in this life, we have the ability to make better choices from this time forward. 
and so that we can seek to have gold, silver, and precious stone that will bring reward and will bring much glory to the Lord. And that should always be our motivation. But I want to conclude this series by looking at the joy of that day. We sometimes miss the joy, the tremendous joy that will be associated with that day from everywhere, from everywhere. So let's consider that today. First of all, let's talk about the joy that Jesus will have. Do you realize that he will have great joy on that day? One scripture that tells us this and speaks about that day and the joy that we will have when we are in his presence is this. In the book of Jude, it only has the one chapter, so Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy or in exceeding joy. Do you realize, beloved friend, that this is telling us that when we make it at the end of our journey and we are in the presence of the Lord, He will have great joy with us. We will have it, but sometimes we minimize that He will have great joy. You see, He made mankind in the beginning. Adam and Eve, to have fellowship with them. Do you realize the joy that Jesus had when he walked daily with them in the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world? Do you possibly see a tear in his eye and a little bit of disappointment when he had to call out and say, Adam, Adam, where are you? See, God knew where Adam was. But Adam didn't know where Adam was. Adam didn't realize the devastation of what had just happened. Adam didn't realize that he had broken that sweet fellowship and it could no longer continue as it was at that time because it had to await the time when Jesus would pay the price for Adam's sin and for all sin of all people of all time once for all, as the book of Hebrews tells us. So Jesus will have great joy. Another scripture that tells us that is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And we will look at that in a little bit later in this episode. But it talks about the joy being set before him. The joy that caused him to endure the cross was you and I, beloved relationship with us, seeing that we would then be able to enjoy that sweet fellowship and that communion like he had in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Now, all of us who believe in Jesus will have that to look forward to throughout eternity, forever. Another place that gives us some information about Jesus' joy is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. And it says this, 
Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to both who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. That's talking about the Bema seat judgment when he'll everything will be hid, everything hidden will be revealed, and even the motives of our heart will be revealed and known because it's either going to be put to the fire and come through as wood, hay, and stubble burned up, or it's going to come through as gold, silver, and precious stone. But notice this, then each one's praise will come from God. Each one's praise. Jesus wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you bearing great fruit for the glory of God. He wants to reward us. He spoke all through the Bible, all through the Gospels, about all the rewards. Even a cup of cold water to a thirsty person gets a reward. He talked about that over and over and over. He's the one who told us. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you so that you would bear much fruit. For when you bear much fruit, my Father is glorified. So you see, Jesus will have great joy when he speaks praise in the sense of commendation. He's talking about commendation for the good things that we've been able to accomplish by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring him glory. That's what he's talking about here. So we see in these passages that Jesus will have great joy. We see the leaders of the early church Notice this, the scriptures teach us about the joy that they long to have in seeing us prosper, in seeing us walking in the faith, in seeing us doing the work of the kingdom and then having rewards on that day. Have you ever thought about that? All of the apostles in the New Testament shared that same heart desire. Let's take a look at a few of those. First of all, let's consider Paul. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Paul says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. I believe that Paul is speaking to us here too, even though he's never met us yet. Because he says, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Paul's letters, he didn't maybe realize that he was writing them so that they would continue for all time until Jesus came. But God took it and put it in his book for all of us today. So this is just as applicable to us as we read it. I believe that Paul will share in our joy, even though we've never met him yet. When we meet him, he will rejoice that we have taken his words to heart, that, that he can see us having made it, having done the same as he declared, having completed our race, finished our course, and now we can go before the presence of the Lord with exceeding joy, and he will share in that joy. Paul wants to see us succeed. Paul 
recognizes that his joy will be greatly enhanced and fulfilled when he sees the beloved Christians that he has sown into through his words and through his example and through his life. Standing in the Lord's presence, there'll be great joy. Paul will share in that joy. Another place we read that is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul also writes here, again, proving that Paul looks forward to a day when he can rejoice with us. Verse 27 of Colossians chapter 1, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? What's his purpose? Why is he warning everybody? Why is he using the words that are needed so that he is speaking the truth in love? Why is he warning us? Why is he teaching us what is right? Why is he pouring into us so? This was his motive. This was his reason. This is what he wants to see. Continuing in the reading, that we may present every man or every person perfect or complete in Christ Jesus, mature in the Lord, complete in the Lord, to the point that they're going to be receiving commendation from the Lord, mature in his presence, walking with him, able to rejoice because of gold, silver, and precious stones that will come through the fire. He wants to see us all, everyone, presented perfect in Christ Jesus. He says in verse verse 29, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. So Paul looks forward to the day when he will have great joy with us in the presence of the Lord. It's kind of like that's going to be our graduation ceremony and our graduation day. And I believe that many of the apostles will feel similarly to perhaps the teachers that have worked so hard to help a student get to that place. And that is part of their rejoicing, is to see us make it to see us cross that stage, so to speak, and receive the diploma, to receive the commendation for the work that we've done. And so the heart of the apostles, like Paul, was to see that happen because they want to rejoice with us. The apostle John, same thing. In Second John, it only has the one chapter. In Second John, chapter 1, verse 8, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. John's heart was that we all receive a full reward, that we do what God has said. Look over in 3 John, also having just one chapter, verse 4. He says this, well, let's read 2 through 4. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. 
I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. John recognized that he was like a father to many in the church and in the Christian faith from the early days. And even until now, his epistles and his gospel and his book of Revelation have been critical and essential in the gospel and in the doctrines of scripture and have blessed so many people. He too has sown into people. And so he's telling us here, I want you to prosper. That word is talking about in the journey of faith. It's not talking about in material things and, you know, having beautiful homes and rich this and, you know, money all over the place and all that kind of stuff. He's not talking about any of that. He's talking about to prosper in your Christian journey. Keep on keeping on. Make progress in Jesus because we're all going forward to stand before the Lord in that day. And John wants to have no greater joy than to see all of us, to see all those that he's poured into walking this walk and finishing our race just like that burned in the Apostle Paul. So it burned in the Apostle John. What about Peter? Well, let's read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Peter writes in his second epistle and he says this, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. In other words, Peter was sowing to the point that he, he would leave them with these books so that they could continue on successfully in their journey because we're all headed to putting off this tent and standing before the Lord. Peter had that same burning desire. That's why he couldn't be negligent. He had to be reminding us of these truths. He had that same burden and that same desire. What about the Apostle James? Well, in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, it says this, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it received the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. In other words, he's saying here, I want you, when the coming, when Jesus appears, when his coming comes, and he takes us to be with him. Be patient until then. Keep working. Keep planting. Keep harvesting. Make sure you are planting so that you will reap a harvest on that day. Because that day is still at hand. It is coming. And it's coming soon. So we see James heart pleading with us. So that we can have joy. And he can have joy with us in that coming day. Now let's look in the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is not named. People have differing opinions. So, but we know this is true. Let's consider this from the book of Hebrews and it, the author's writings. 
himself. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here the author of Hebrews is also wanting to see us run our race, finish our course, and do it so that we too can share in the joy of that day. Just like Jesus being our example, who is also the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, in Hebrews chapter 13, let's read Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here we see the author of Hebrews wanting to see us complete in every good work, doing his will, being pleasing in his sight. There's that same notion, that same desire in the author of Hebrews. We read in James 3, 1, where James gives the warning about a greater judgment being upon teachers. So he wants to see us well-pleasing on that day, those that are called to be teachers. He says they'll have a stricter judgment because of their influence. That's why. But we still can pick up the same desire from James in that passage as well. Also, we see Paul again making a note in 1 Timothy 3.13. Here he's talking about being deacons and the, the requirements for being deacons and things like that. And he goes down in verse 13 and he says this, For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Paul also is addressing those who are serving in a specific capacity in the church and in the body of Christ in some form of leadership role, in some form of service to the body, such as deacons, particularly here. And he says they will have a good standing and great boldness here again. That joy, that, that wonderful commendation, that's what he's wanting to see. And he's reminding us that we must serve well to be able to receive that commendation. I want to also consider, lastly, as we begin to draw to a close here, I want to also consider our joy, the joy that we will have. First place I want to look is in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 12. Isaiah writes, Lord, you will establish peace for us, for you have also done all our works in us. On that day, I believe we will be humbled 
to see what God has accomplished through us with the gold, silver, and precious stone that comes through the fire, and that we will then also rejoice in seeing His work, the glory that it's brought to Him, the joy it's brought to Him, and we will be fully aware that it was His work in us. It was not our own. And that may be why that the Bible indicates that we will cast our crowns before His feet in recognition and in honor of the fact that He's done it through us. It's not been our own doing. It's been Him. Next, let's consider 1 Kings chapter 10. And I just want to pull out this verse real quick. What's happened here in chapter 10, the Queen of Sheba has heard all kinds of wonderful things about Solomon and his kingdom and all of that. And so she comes and she says wonderful flowery words of commendation to Solomon. But one of those is this verse, verse 7. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. I believe that we will realize then that the half has not even been, we haven't even imagined the half of what's there. We couldn't have even had a clue the half of what will be awaiting us and the joy that it will bring us on that day when we see that that cup of cold water that we thought was totally insignificant, that one lunch meeting with a dear friend where we poured into them because their heart was breaking over the loss of a loved one or over a, a broken marriage or betrayal of some kind or a wounding of some kind. And we thought it was totally insignificant. And yet on that day, it might be one of those things that comes through with gold, silver, or precious stone coming through the fire. And we will realize the half, we hadn't even imagined the half of what we have to look forward to. And then I remember Jesus' words when he talked about one will sow, one will reap, but they will rejoice together. I believe that at this Bema seat, there will be great partying going on, so to speak. Now, I don't mean partying in some carnal sense, in some evil sense. We don't be up there drinking and having all that wild garbage. No, I'm not talking about any of that at all. But there will be so much great joy. Jesus even indicated that everyone that has poured into someone's life and had an impact in someone's life, that all of those will be rejoicing together. We haven't even a possibility of imagining the great joy that that day will hold for the people of God. Hallelujah. The question for each of us is how much joy will each one of us be able to possess and be able to experience on that day? The answer to that question depends on the choices that we make now and in the future until we see the Lord face to face. We must make certain choices, actions, motives, all of those things must be our own choice. We must be careful 
and choose the things in this life that will allow us to experience the joy on that day that Jesus wants us to have, that all the apostles wanted us to have, and that we ourselves want to be able to look forward to. I believe on that day that we will share in Jesus' words here. He's speaking about the time when he comes back and he has the sheep and goat nation judgment when he divides the sheep and the goats and all of that. But I believe that this is also applicable to our choices, our lifestyle, and what we do or don't do and how the Lord will respond to us as well. Matthew 25, verse 37 says this, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You see, Jesus takes personally how we interact when we are there for that person that's grieving and needs us or when we're not. When we are doing whatever he's called us to do or when we're not. Jesus takes it personally, and he will reward us accordingly. All the insignificant things that we don't even pay attention to, yet he takes them very personally and wants us to make the right choices today to prepare for the joy that is ahead for us in that day. I believe our response on that day, what a wonderful day awaits us, is shown to us in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. And I want to draw to a close with these few verses remaining. Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worshiped, and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And then in Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. I believe we're going to have great worship in that day, great joy, but also great recognition of who did the work through us and who receives all of the praise. And it will be a day of great rejoicing great celebration, and great worship. So I want to lastly leave you with this, because how much joy awaits each and every one of us depends on the choices that you and I make today and from this day forward until we see the Lord face to face. I want to lastly end 
with these verses. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. May you be reminded of that. Write this verse out. Put it on. Tape it on your computer, on your refrigerator, on your mirror, wherever it'll be, that will bless you every single day and remind you who you serve and how your motive should be that you are always doing it heartily to the Lord. Not for men's sake, not for the praise or fame of men, not for the approval of men or flattery, but for the Lord. May that be your goal. And may you and I all have a wonderful rejoicing time together in the kingdom in that coming day. I pray that we will all be beaming at the beamer. I pray that you and I both and all of us in the kingdom of God in that day will be beaming at the Bema. I pray that this series has been a blessing to you in eternal ways. And I thank you for joining me through this. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.